in an industry where most of us spend the majority of our time working alone in a room, we wanted to create a podcast where you could learn, be encouraged, and find a connection with other Lash professionals. This is the LashCast Podcast, and I'm your host, Paul Lubers. Hey everyone, we're back here at the studio, the Integrity Lash Studios here in Pasadena, California, and we're very excited today because we're bringing you another exciting guest, the Lash CEOs with us. I'm sitting next to right now, Tusney and Erica. It's good to see you two again. Welcome back. Thank you. Hi. Thanks. And we also, as I said, we have our guest who is going to be, well, it's Rakina from the Lash CEO, and Tusney was going to give us a quick little introduction to our new friend here today. I'm so happy to. Rakina Velti is the owner of the Lash CEO Beauty Studio in Virginia Beach, Virginia. She started her company with the goal of creating a business that could allow her to be home with her kids and work around her spouse's military schedule, and it's grown. She now divides her time between her studio, coaching, and cheering other beauty CEOs online, managing her Cloud Lash label and private training. So welcome, Rakina. Thank you so much for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're very excited to have you. And I know I am just because, like, we've been talking over years now. I think I reached out to you after seeing you post something on Instagram, and I found it intriguing. And you and me started emailing back and forth and just became, like, virtual friends like everyone else I know in my life, I think, now. So yes. I actually, you know, I feel like it was kind of cool that you reached out to me because I instantly was like, oh, he's like my mentor, but he doesn't know it yet. <laughs> well, I remember that. I remember you guys connecting and, and encouraging one another. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was sweet. And I've enjoyed talking to you a little bit. As much as we don't talk that much, but it has been nice over the years and to see you really blossom from the time when I first ran into you and you were just barely starting and now you've launched and we're going to get into this but you have like 18,000 things going on now and your hands are crazy busy and yet you still are really fighting to keep that balance so you can be there for your kids and be a mom and not just a workaholic and all that so it's pretty amazing what you've been doing and we'll talk about that so what we thought we'd first get into is going into a little bit first, so in case someone doesn't know who you are, maybe sure. just hear about your journey and hear how you got into lashes, and I'd love for you to kind of share kind of your, your unique background, that you really have okay. this special uh, kind of place that you come from that's not where most lash stylists, I think, come from, so I'd love for you to share that too. Absolutely. So I originally started out just in aesthetics. I graduated from school. I actually launched my business before I graduated and was gung-ho about doing skincare and waxing body treatments. I wasn't busy enough for it. One of my friends approached me and was like, do you do lashes? And I was like, yeah, I don't really know. I saw a demo in school. Wasn't really, you know, I didn't think it'd be my thing. She was like, I'll pay for everything to get you started. If you just practice on me, you can just do me and we can see how it goes. And that pretty much was the start of it. I, um, I sucked at first. <laughs> <laughs> and she would email me and be like, um, all my lashes are on my pillow. Maybe we should try again. <laughs> and I'd be like, um, okay, yep, we can do that. And I started to get a little bit better. And then I decided, you know, maybe I should go and get some real training. So I went and I trained with two different brands. And from there, I just got better. I loved it. And I started to get a little busy, but not as busy as I wanted. But 
it eventually started to take off. And I feel like my background, because I am prior military, I worked on um, Navy F-14 Tomcat radar systems and navigation systems for H-53 Echo helicopter systems as well. So I'm a technician and troubleshooter by heart, and I like working with my hands and solving problems. And I feel like I moved a lot of that experience from my Navy career into my beauty career and a few along the way that kind of got me to where I am. So that's pretty much my background and how I got started. I literally quit my dirty technician job to do the beauty industry and I've loved it ever since. Like I literally feel like this is what I've been put on the planet to do outside of being a mother and a wife. <laughs> <laughs> That's so unique, that experience. Do you miss that kind of problem solving, that like mathematical, like radar figuring out stuff? Uh, no, because I feel like as long as I'm solving some type of problem, whether it be a business problem or, you know, an application problem or just figuring out ways that I can use what I know to help someone else. It's that same gratification. Mm -hmm. And I find that I get that whether I'm helping, you know, a local client, a client in Australia or just somebody who, you know, just happens to find me some other means. Like, I feel like I'm still solving those problems and helping and sharing what I know or what, you know, I've been through so I can kind of pass it on to someone else. So I don't miss it per se, but I just kind of apply it in a different way, I guess, to the lash and brow industry. So the question I have is, how accurate is Top Gun, the movie? I just want to know. <laughs> but the F-14s and all that, that for me as a kid growing up was the greatest I, thing ever. I wish I could tell you that it was really accurate, but honestly, the Navy has like pilots and then you have like the technicians. And we don't really get to see and like interact with the cool pilots. They're just like, yeah, good job. Thanks. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they're cool stuff. And it's like, oh, yeah, well, I'm the reason why that plane is kind of flying with you in it. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Very cool. Well, that's cool. I think you might be interested to find out. We can do a poll with our listeners. Anyone else fixed radar before they went on and became a lash tech? I think that's <laughs> quite a unique transition. It's a unique title. Right. So that said, I think one of the things that when I talked to Rakina earlier last week and she was telling a little bit about her background is that she was kind of like a serial entrepreneur, that she just kept throwing things against the wall and see what stuck. And you, you shared not a lot stuck at first, but you, it, no. was, it was growing. You learned. You obviously had this bug in you that you just were committed to finding something that worked. Maybe you can share a little bit about that journey and what finally did begin to turn around for you. Yeah. So I've always had ideas of things that I wanted to try to do so that I could work for myself. I found out, I think, early on after I was in the military and even while I was in, I wasn't the best employee. Like I always had my own way of thinking, my own thoughts. And I, you know, would look at a situation and be like, it would be really great if we could do it this way, mm -hmm. you know. And if you're at the bottom of, of any totem pole, you can't just go to the top and be like, this is the best way to do that. <laughs> how about we try it this way? And they're like, no, that's not how we do things. It was that happening to me over and over and over that I was like, you know, I have to find something that I can use that I can create and I can build and yeah. I can, you know, make into something that will, you know, benefit my family and also, you know, be able to hone in what I can do with my brain and solving problems and working with my hands and working with people. Cause I found out I really like working with people and, you know, sharing and helping. So it was like all these little things that I would start just these outlandish businesses. Now that I think back to them, it was just like, try and fail, try and fail, try and fail. And they just all, 
flopped. But the one thing that was, you know, the constant was why was it failing? And it was the marketing. It was the online, you know, research when people were looking for what I had to offer, they weren't finding me. Mm. So it was that common thread throughout all of them that was like, okay, I need to figure out that and then find the business and pull that together to make it work. And that's pretty much what I did with all those tries and fails and just kind of kept all of those experiences and brought it to my now. And that's pretty much what I did, I guess. Yeah. I think that's really what you're known for now, right? I mean, that's really where we'll get into that a little bit more later. But, you know, you're yeah. now helping other people get found and find sure. a way to be seen online, which, you know, for some people is a mystery. They just have no idea where to start with that. Absolutely. Yep. I don't know if you'd care to share uh, some of the ideas. I was or, wondering that, uh, too. Yeah, yeah. What, what's some of the more I bizarre... I don't know if you want to dish about it, like some of the things that you went and launched into. Well, let's see. I dabbled in real estate for a little bit. I actually like bought a house and tried to be a landlord. That sucked. Wouldn't recommend it without very much experience. Um, did you I did another one where it was like, I was, oh, this is a good one. So, you know, like when you go to doctor's offices and the little kids play area, they have like all these toys and stuff. If you've ever gotten a chance to look at some of those toys, they are disgusting. So I thought, what if you could have a business where you set up all these contracts with these doctor's offices that you would Mm -hmm. come in, sterilize them, sanitize them, keep the toys updated and fresh and, you know, maybe turn that into like a service. And of course, ever heard of anything like that and they're like create a new market it's <laughs> <laughs> like, a great uh, idea actually i yeah. I, I wish you uh, you yeah. were around in our area because i remember going to a doctor's place and there was an area where the, the, the sick kids yeah, would go the sick kids they'd would go. separate them actually so <laughs> sick kids hang out over there because they're drooling and spitting and vomiting all over everyone and right. you, you didn't want them touching the toys i remember like no 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 don't, don't touch, touch anything don't touch. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah that was just a couple of them that just I, I feel like we have to confess our lamest one. We were kind of the same. Tusty and I, over the years, right when we first got married, I don't know if you're thinking of what I'm thinking of. The, the vacuum cleaner. Yeah, it's the vacuum cleaner. <laughs> okay, so one of the things about me is I have a really hard time saying no. And so I, I don't know how I got sucked into this uh, demo <laughs> about this special kind of vacuum cleaner that cleaned with water. And... I submit to this pitch where the guy comes into the house and shows us how great this vacuum cleaner is. And somehow I end up buying one. And he's like, and then you can turn it around and make a business. And I'm thinking, oh. And there's $1,000 I can't afford this vacuum cleaner. 25 years ago. Maybe if we start a business vacuum cleaning other people's homes, then we we (laughs) could pay for our vacuum cleaner. So I said, okay, let's let's do this thing. (laughs) I think we had a The guy was the one who actually said, yeah, I think you should do a cleaning service. And you can use my vacuum cleaner. And I, all I remember is that he took our old one, like a change out. Exchange, he, he took, yeah. exchange. He took our old one. I don't know why he took it. He just said, I'll take your old one. I'm like, okay, here you go. It was probably a side business for him yeah, selling it, right? hawking that off at garage sales. <laughs> and then we, st- after that night, he left. And we sat thinking, we just bought a $1,000, uh, you know, vacuum, vacuum cleaner. That we, our, we have to nothing in our house is worth $1,000, <laughs> let alone the vacuum cleaner. Our car's not even worth that much. And we're not going to be able to sell this stupid well, idea. What are we going to do? So we, we, we called him back. He was all, oh, we're fine. And, and he was mad. He was really mad. He was so mad. And, and he, he gave me begrudgingly my old vacuum cleaner. I was like, here you go. It's <laughs> <laughs> like a piece of junk. Like, I'm banking on that. That's a banker. I know, I know, I know. It's like his grid scheme. So anyway, so, that's one of the yeah. silliest things we've ever done. Yeah. We so. were doing a lot of just all sorts of crazy ideas, hoping one yeah. day 
And then we accidentally found lashes, or I should say Tusney did. I was doing other things. I'd given up in our career working together. <laughs> Anyhow, as far as, you know, you getting into all this, what do you feel like kind of drove you this way? What was the thing that pushed you to want to do this and do your own thing? Aside from not you feeling like you worked with other people, I guess, or maybe where do you get that confidence to think that, you know, I'll just keep trying? Because 15 times, I think is what you told me, you tried yeah. 15 different businesses. And I think most people give up. You know, they just feel like, oh, screw it. I'll just go work for the man. I'll just get a job, work nine to five. I guess I'm not meant to be an entrepreneur. Right. Yeah. Well, I think for me, I still had that going through me, obviously, because, you know, I had at the time two kids and my husband was still military. And I knew that I had to do some type of constant work, but it was just that nagging kind of feeling that's just still there. It's still there. Trust me, I tried to put it away like several times, but it would be like I would watch a video or I'd go to the bookstore and I'd see a book and I'm like, I'd read the book and I'm like, man, why not me? Why can't I start something? Why, you know, I feel like you either feel that like little fire in you or you just kind of don't, or if it burns completely out, mine just never burnt out. Like I just knew that, you know, I wanted more for my life, my family's life, and just more for what I had to offer. I think that was a huge part of it. I knew I had things that I could offer if I could just find something to pour everything I had learned into it. So it was just that inner nag, I guess, was just like, but why not? Yeah. But why not? Just try again. How many entrepreneurs have tried and failed and then they tried again and then it was that one that clicked, you know, yeah. because not every successful entrepreneur, they don't just start one thing and then it's like, oh, it took off and now I'm, you know, Bezos, you know, I'm running Amazon. It's like, no, he was, you know, working in a pizza factory or, you know, something just silly and just eventually, you know, well, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try it. And so I think that was it for me. It was just I had to. I couldn't. Yeah. Well, pizza that factories, do those things exist? I'd love to go work in a pizza factory. That pizza sounds factory? great. Man, they just get the, <laughs> sit there in a, in a line of pizzas flying by and you're just putting on like, food. I like Tombstone or something, you know. Yeah. Like. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad to see that. I mean, obviously, every I've heard this a million times about you know failure and success and that no one succeeds if you quit after failing. You know, you just said, no, I'm not going to allow that failure to define me. I'm not going to let it be my final statement or my final argument. I'm going to reject that and fight through. And now you finally found that thing that worked for you. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I was definitely wanted to move into, because I think this is really where your sweet spot is. And this is what I, where I found you is that mm-hmm. you were talking about things that other people weren't online. Most people were just talking about lashes and how they get bad retention or very well, little customer service, but most of it was just mm-hmm. about lashes and glue. And everyone was argues about glue all day to the cows come home or whatever the saying is. Okay. But I know you were like, hey, guys, maybe we're struggling not because of retention. Maybe it's because no one can find you. Maybe <laughs> no one knows you exist. Like you, right. you can do great work and still be dead. I mean, right. and because you had all this experience of trying all these companies and you said the kind of the unifying factor why they didn't succeed is no one even knew you existed or why you existed. So absolutely. What kind of, well, I guess the big thing for me to go into this is SEO. Let's just talk about that. Cause that you were like the, one of the first people I think that's ever talked about SEO and website design and presence online outside of social media. And you didn't even focus on that. Right. You were really about websites and such. Now, yes. what is SEO? Let's start with that. Cause I know some listeners probably think that means, you know, Silence enjoys optimism or something like that. I mean, 
could, I guess. Yeah, but maybe you could tell them what it is and what it, you know, because it's a big mystery for a lot of people, I think. And maybe you can unpack that and then we can dig a little bit deeper what you've done and how you can help. Hopefully our listeners may improve their presence online. Absolutely. So SEO stands for search engine optimization. And that's basically how people will find you online. So everybody knows now that when you're looking for something, whether it's a restaurant or a new spa or a new hairstylist or a new lash stylist, where do you go to first? You pick up your phone, you type in Google or whatever search, and you're looking for the service and the location. And you expect results to pop up that'll be relevant to what you're looking for. So that's essentially what it is. It's how well you are being relevant to be found when people are searching for you. And I think that without even knowing what that is, there's no way that you can you know, take your business and put it in the forefront if you have no idea what it is or what can you do in order to improve your SEO. So SEO is just essentially how are you found online? What is your online presence? Where are they finding you online? Mm-hmm. And there's different ways that they can do it. They can be found, like I know with Google, um, there's the ads at the top that people mm-hmm. pay for. So that's paid sure. search, right? And then there's organic yeah. search. Maybe Absolutely. explain a little bit what the difference between those two things are. So in a paid ad, you're essentially paying Google to put your business either on top of the map, at the very top of the listings. Sometimes you'll see them running down the right side of that search page. You're paying for Google to put you there versus organic search means that you understand what Google looks for on your particular platform, whether that's your website, blog, you know, social media, which sometimes shows up, sometimes it doesn't. Everything that's in the middle is considered organic search results. And our job as business owners is to make sure we are producing a relevant front for Google to say, oh yeah, well this website says something about lash extensions in Denver. Let's go on ahead and show that versus this website that says nothing about it because that's not relevant. Google's main purpose is to make sure your experience on Google makes sense. So if Google goes to your website and finds nothing relevant about what you're doing or you don't know where to place it or you don't know how to add those particular, you know, titles to images, Google's going to consider you not relevant and you don't show up. Or if you do, you're on page seven where no one's going to look. So our job is to make sure we put everything in our website and in our blog and in our YouTube videos that tells Google, hey, listen, I'm in Virginia Beach. I do lashes my page is relevant, my YouTube videos are relevant, please show this to people who are searching. When you take on a client or you're or talking to somebody who you want to help in this area, do you have like a test scenario that you go through with them to see if their website needs this SEO kind of help? Can you take us through some of those steps? Absolutely, Tuscany. And you know, it's funny that you bring that up because I find that some people will reach out to me and say, well, can you look at my website? Can you tell me what I'm missing? And I love doing that because it could be something as simple as when you go to your website, one of the first things that Google looks for is to make sure that your NAP, name, address, and phone number is at the very top somewhere before anyone has to scroll. So being able to go through a certain like checkpoint list of just the obvious easy things that you can literally go in and change in like three minutes And it makes a huge difference. Like I go to a lot of different websites. People say, oh, look at my website. I don't know why I'm not showing up. One of the first things I look at is, well, 
if I'm looking for that service in your area and I have no idea where you're located, like, or if you work from home, that's different. But if you're in a suite or if you're in a salon, that's one of the first things I should know right away. The next thing is, well, what do you offer? You can have all these beautiful pictures, but is that makeup? Is that hair? Is what am I looking at right now? You know, people need to know right away. So that's one of the things going through the checklist or going through a website audit. We can easily just kind of go through a few things and right away. I can pinpoint some things that, you know, you can go in and change easily and it's not that complicated and it will help, you know, page seem more relevant to Google. That's super helpful. Thank you. Yeah, I think one of the things is a lot of times when people build their websites, they go for pretty pictures and they're told less words. But there is a balance there. If you go too little, Google is not, I mean, I'm sure AI is coming where Google will be able to look at images and be able to automatically catalog it and go, this is a website about lashes because, you know, AI is getting to that recognition phase now. But we're not there yet. Until then, Google's still using words to define Mm -hmm. what your website's about. So you got to be careful if you don't go all pretty pictures, but definitely put some copy in there that's relevant. And like you said, make sure you're putting tags in there for where you're located so that they can find you. Because if you don't have any location in there and you're just doing lashes, you you will be popping up in Boston or New York or all around the world. And no one will come to you because they're not finding you in your backyard. (laughs) So Absolutely true. Yep. Right. Are there any tips or things you see that people do on their websites that are problematic that, I mean, I'll just throw one out that I heard and Mm -hmm. maybe you can verify that uh, making sure your address is consistent on every platform that you have online, that when you see inconsistent addresses where you write sweet with a number sign or the pound sign or sweet with the words and you write differently or you actually have a wrong address, you don't make sure your addresses are exactly the same at every location and not formatted the same, that that actually can knock you down rankings because now Google doesn't think you're, for whatever reasons, your company is legitimate because you have different ways you're presenting your address online. Do you mean like if you say drive, abbreviate it instead of D-R-I-V-E? Just make sure everything's the same. Okay. That Google can match word for word the address Mm. and that it's all consistent, that you don't have different ways that your address is popping up online. Right. Yeah. I definitely do recommend that if you have, you know, like a Facebook page or on your Instagram, you should have your location on there as well. Everything should be consistent. I actually hadn't heard about having it like literally down to like the suite or the parkway. But I say things like that can't hurt. You know what I mean? So if you go through and make sure everything is perfectly consistent, I don't see how that would hurt. So I definitely think that would be um, something that's helpful. I think another thing, too, is sometimes your mobile view isn't Hmm. right. That's Mm -hmm. a huge one, too. Google recently, well, not recently now, it's been about two or three years, they started penalizing websites that if you were to pull it up on your phone, it would be all like weird and you're like scrolling and trying to pinch and zoom (laughs) and do all kinds of craziness. Yeah. Google is, you know, penalizing sites for that. So you definitely want to make sure whatever platform you're choosing, it's mobile friendly. You don't have to create like a whole new site because back in the day, you used to have to get a mobile site in addition to your core site. And that sucked. (laughs) (laughs) Double the work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I noticed over the years, because I've been following our, like Yelp tells you how people find you. And it mm-hmm. used to be in 2010, people found us like 95% on a computer. And it was like uh-huh. small on the phone. Now it's like 90% phones and only 10% on the computer. So I would take that same type of information and say, 
that's probably true for almost any website that you're part of, any Instagram, or not Instagram, but your website, any social media. You better make sure that that presence is solid because if it's not, people aren't yeah. going to find you. Absolutely. Yep. And I find too that, you know, if you have a serious business, there really isn't an excuse anymore to at least, even if you just have a one page website that literally says what you do, says where you are, you know, has a way that you can be contacted or even, you know, request an appointment. I mean, even that is something that the most non-techie person can put together pretty quickly, even in a weekend. So there really just isn't an excuse to present your business in a professional manner with a website that represents your work and who you are. And, you know, to let people know that I'm serious, I'm not just a fly by night, you know, I do more than putting pictures on Facebook and, you know, directing people there as like your first impression, like we can do better. So that's what I'm pushing. Is there any test that people can do to see how they rank on Google? I don't know, other than searching their local area or, yeah, I'm just wondering if you know anything that people can do, say, I don't know, maybe I am not showing up on page one, or probably it's actually more relevant to what words you're typing into Google that help you find which, where your relevancy is. Right. I think even if you can have someone who maybe isn't in your area, because I feel like when you go on your own computer and do it, I feel like there's all kinds of little cookies and trails and stuff that Mm -hmm. will kind of deceive you into thinking you're someplace, you know, within the rank you are not. Or if you're constantly checking it, I think that kind of tweaks it a little bit too. So even if you can just have someone in a different city, in a different state. So I think it's cool. Like when I work with someone and they're in like Santa Barbara and I type in Santa Barbara lash extensions, that's a pretty good indication of where you are and where you can be found. So if you scroll through and you have to go to the second page, third page, that's a pretty good indication of about where you're showing up at. There's all kinds of websites that will literally show you your competition and what they're ranking for and how they're doing. So one of those websites is called Moz, M-O-Z dot com. That one you can go in there and it does a pretty good job of telling you like what keywords people are searching for, which a lot of times we don't know that either because we're thinking from the lash artist standpoint, oh, they're looking for, you know, lash extensions, mink lashes, whatever, but maybe the consumer isn't searching for that. Mm -hmm. So that's another thing we need to know, like what is the consumer actually typing into Google to be found? Once you know that, a lot of times you're already a leap in a bound above your competition because they don't know those things. But once you do, Google's going to be like, oh, hey, look, that's a direct match. Bing. Mm. Yeah, mm. I think our son, who's a developer himself, he worked for a company for a while that did analytics stuff. And so mm-hmm. he ran some things for us to let us know what words are being used. And yeah. there were some surprises. Like there were words that sure. consumers are using to try to find beauty industry type stuff like lashes. And it, it's all the jargon. We have all this insider language that right. we use that we think is totally the normal thing. But, you know, you'd say that to an everyday person, they'll be like, I have no idea what that is. So Right. Yeah, absolutely. There are uh, companies out there that will help improve your SEO. Sometimes you see them when you're um, waiting to turn an intersection and you see like a sign. And then there's places that have companies that offer this kind of service. What do you think of those? Do you think that people can do it themselves? Or when do you think that a service like that would be needed and how would you find one that would be trustworthy? I think there are some really good ones out there. I think the biggest thing that a stylist could do is to find one and then ask them if they've worked with other 
business owners in our industry. I think that's a big one. But yeah, some of the companies out there are straight up just scams. Mm -hmm. We were talking about that too, that, you know, they'll try to say, oh yeah, pay us a thousand dollars a month and you're guaranteed first page, you're guaranteed top of the results. And Google has said it themselves, like straight from Google, like don't pay these people because there's no guarantee that you can do that. There's no tried and true way to do that. The only way to do that is if you pay us and we put you in an ad. Mm. You can't pay to be on the first page unless it's an ad. Mm-hmm. The only way you can be there is if you're relevant and you know your domain name has a little bit of domain authority, which is just age, how old that domain name is that you're using, and also competition. If it's a very strong market, there's tons of people vying for Flash extensions, you know, Orlando, it's going to be a little bit more challenging, but you can definitely get, you know, some companies to help you along with like, you know, putting your website on different directories, just online directories, because Google looks at that and considers that, you know, a strong presence as well. So that helps. But I would be very weary paying anyone who guarantees first placement, first page, just because it's very challenging to do. And Google specifically says not to trust people who, you know, guarantee those type of results. Yeah, I know that basically they can't guarantee it. And, you know, if you get page one, you're really killing it because, you know, no one looks past page one, really. (laughs) It's like, sadly, if you're page two, you're out. You've lost the game. You might as well be page 999. It's the truth, unfortunately. It's, it really is. Yeah. People are just going to take that top bit, and that's why paid search sometimes is, if you're in a crowded market, maybe your best bet because the market is so crowded that your mm-hmm. only way to stand out in the crowd is do that paid search, get there at the top of the page. And you know, also the good news about that, those are people who are actually looking for you because they're using keywords that are triggering right. your ad to pop in there. So at least you're knowing that when people do find you, it's an audience that's most likely attracted Ready. to pushing that button or that clicking on that thing and, and going in and seeing about your pricing and all that. So there right. is a place for paid search, but at the same time, I know a lot of people are like, Oh, I don't have money for advertising. So I get it. Yeah. You know, try to raise your odds at least through organic and, and all that. One thing I remember, I've read this quite a few times and we ourselves, we do not practice this with our salon. Um, mm-hmm. And I see a lot of people actually try to do this, but they don't get around to doing it. And that's the whole idea of blogging that if you're mm-hmm. creating relevant content on your page, you're no longer a static site. I'd say probably 90, maybe 99% of every last stylist I know has a pretty static site. They just put up their stuff and it never changes unless they have a social media feed and then that changes. But outside that, the content itself never gets updated or improved or grown anyway. And I know that I've read plenty of places that you want to stand out and you want to raise your odds of being found, man, create content. Just Post yes. every week, every month, at least something about lashes. Don't talk about your dogs or about cars. That's going to confuse Google and make you think you're not really relevant. But if you're Absolutely. talking about lashes every time, then they're like, wow, here's someone that's producing relevant content that people need that it's going to boost you up. But the problem yes. is you see this. <laughs> you go to any last stylist page, you look at blog, you'll see their first post. Oh, I'm so excited. I'm starting my blog today. We'll see more updates to come. Day right. two never comes. It's <laughs> good intentions. And right? that actually hurts them more than it helps. Hmm. It would be in their best interest to not have anything there versus hmm. that. Because that really, at least I feel like in my experience, because a lot of my clients, they find me, they look at my reviews. Reviews are ginormous. Yeah. And then you say, oh my gosh, I read this article that you wrote about 
three questions to ask your lash artist. And I thought it was so helpful. So it's all of those things, because I feel like a lot of stylists are like, well, I don't know what to write about. It takes too much time. We all know what to write about because we've all heard that, oh, lash extensions are damaging. Oh, this, 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 and you don't need this. And you know what I mean? So we can just educate through a lot of the frequently asked questions that we've heard or, you know, all of this, you know, gloom and doom and fear about having lash extensions, we can shed the light on what's true, what's not. And you can do that with blogging. It can literally just be a couple of paragraphs just mm-hmm. saying something. You can post before and afters and say what you did. And, oh, if you're interested in something similar, you know, come see me about whatever. So it doesn't have to be super complicated, but it's huge. It's like you said that creating that fresh content really will help. And Google will shine on that favorably because in addition to your website, you'll have your blog. And in addition to your blog, you can do just like 20 second videos, even talking about what mm-hmm. you blogged about. And then yeah. that's another platform that Google's going to look at and be like, oh yeah, that's great. Not to mention Google owns YouTube. So yeah. <laughs> right there, that's kind of like, it just makes sense to do as much as you can little bits. Cause that's all virtual real estate that can show up in search results in your favor. So yeah, Google's going to love you if you keep posting YouTube videos on your page and link that up because you're just pushing their product and helping them get Absolutely. more people to watch their product and sell more ads and all that type of stuff. So, yeah, you have definitely videos on your page help a lot and fresh content updated. Mm-hmm. But not just one time. Keep, keep growing it. Keep adding to it. I know there's a term that you're familiar with called microblogging. So it's a little less intimidating than blogging because when you think of a blog, I think of like writing a New York Times article or something. Oh, and that's just like, oh my gosh, I don't have time for that. But microblogging, you know, you just write a paragraph, four sentences, sharing you know, something exciting about lashes you learned or something that a client shared with you or, or just sure. a tip, you know, just yep. keep that information going out there and do it regularly and you'll continue to build a reputation that Google likes and they will right. rank you up, especially if you're in a crowded market with like LA where it's next to impossible to get seen. You, right. You got to do something to differentiate yourself. Absolutely. It's like you said, so many people start it and don't do it. The moment someone steps out and says, you know what, I'm going to commit to once a week. I'm going to do this once a week. All of a sudden, now you're starting to rise because your content's fresh, it's relevant, it's good for your business. Absolutely. Well, I was hoping that we could talk a little bit about one of the best ways that you think business owners can build a following. Well, I think it depends on who your core market is. So for me, I don't find a lot of my local clients through Instagram. Mm -hmm. It just doesn't happen for me. And as much as I'm not a huge fan of Facebook, I do find that a lot of my happy clients are there. So when I post, they'll comment and like, and then it through Facebook's, you know, craziness, it'll show up in their friend's feed and then, you know, they'll book appointments that way. I think the whole finding a following is a tiny bit of a farce only because I feel like clients don't necessarily look for popularity in terms of that more so with like reviews and you know your pictures and you know when people are happy with what you know other clients have said about you I think pushing that especially now I just see it more and more so many clients are looking at reviews and nobody comes and says oh my gosh I found you on Instagram because you have 15,000 followers Mm -hmm. no 
that, you know? I think that most of the people actually that are successfully running Instagram pages are people that are just trying to run an Instagram page. Like that's their business. Like yeah. I'm just trying to get followers to follow me and then I can sell them things online, like digital sure goods, whether it's right, training, right. where it's, you know, whatever they're trying to hawk, but they're not selling a service like lashes or other services. So it's a great place to like go to our Instagram to see photos of lashes and go, oh, this is great work. I like it. But they didn't find us there. They only went to Instagram to really verify who we exactly. were and what we did not to find us. They found us on Yelp. They found us through a, a friend referral. They found us through Google. Like they typed yeah. eyelashes and we popped up page one, thank God, or something. And then they right. went and said, well, let's go and check out their Instagram now and let's see if they're really all that. And so I think the companies that are successfully doing this and then they turn around and teach other people how to do Instagram too. And it's like, I get it, but see, you're not selling a service though. You're selling a product or a training or a, a program online. And that's easier to sell when you're trying to just get a following of either sure. lash stylists to say, but you're not trying to get consumers who live in your backyard. That's a different world. Yeah. It's much more difficult to get, I think, in Instagram. It is. Cause it's not like Instagram that shows you your friends around the, if they did stuff like, what was it? There's other social media that you could clock and it will show you all your friends that were near you. I know Waze does that. You can look on Waze and you see all these people that are near you. It's a geolocator and you can see all these other Waze users mm-hmm. so, that, so you can like reach out to them and say, hey, I'm on the same freeway as you. Have a great day. Um, just to freak <laughs> someone out. Weird. Yeah, <laughs> totally creepy. I'm right behind you. Um, but that said, I, know. <laughs> I don't see that in Instagram yet. It'd be really great if you could with Instagram type in San Marino or like in our backyard and everyone that was on Instagram with San Marino, I could direct message them right now and say, hey, we have an opening come on in and right that, that's yeah. not there yet no that's more like geotagging or yeah geotagging geomarketing. Yeah. Oh, have yeah. you heard yeah. that where it's like you know you have a little beacon in your spot and then it like sends out a message for like a mile or something <laughs> anybody in that mile will get like a thing on their phone or whatever i haven't heard anyone talk about that but i remember thinking that that was cool mm-hmm. but you know I guess it just died out or people maybe got annoyed or I don't know what happened to it, but yeah. Getting unwanted messages. I know Waze or Waze, you drive by and you get ads that pop up and y'all be driving by and go, yeah. Oh, there's a gas station or there's a Jack in the box. And so they do do that with some things, but you know, not Instagram yet, but you'll see. Yeah. I mean, yeah. We can hope. Now, how businesses, I know if I had a way to advertise, I mean, I know you can pay for advertising that will send out messages locally. But sure. That's still a little bit different than like geolocation, I think. That's uh, right. be an interesting thing. So I'm sure we have the founder of Instagram or Mark Zuckerberg is listening right now and he's not the founder, but he owns them. He can just, you know, take a note, add that in and we'll all be happy. Thanks, Mark. Well, businesses out <laughs> quite a bit because they keep sludging with the algorithm that keeps hurting businesses yeah. at least. Mm-hmm. In so my opinion, it's a moving target. And I think I've heard from enough people now, and I agree with this. Just focus on creating good content. Don't worry about the algorithm and how you can cheat it or beat it. Because right. it's going to change. As soon as you figure it out, it's going to change. So, you know what? Just sure. go out and do the content. And then that no one else can do. If you're creating, like, I know your stuff that you create, you put a lot of effort and thought into, and, and, and you really use it to try to help educate people. And I know there's yeah. lots of other people doing the same thing. And if you create good content, people will find you and they'll become fans. It doesn't matter. And then they'll tell people. And then, you know, the right. organic, just through the masses, everyone finds out about you eventually and your business will grow. Yep. Anyhow, let's move on to another topic. I think that was uh, some good stuff there. Thanks for all your information on helping people out with SEO and being found and all that fun stuff. But one of the things I wanted to talk about too was just you are like a master plate spinner, I guess we could say, with all the different 
things that you are currently trying to do all at the same time. I mean, you're not just running a salon. You're not just doing coaching. You're not just trying to sell product. You're not just trying to do um, training. Uh, training. That's right. <laughs> training. You, you're doing all these things. And I think for a lot of people, they'd feel that there's no way you could do any of this, let alone barely one of them. So maybe right. what's your approach? What's, uh, I guess you must be very disciplined or very like, focused. I guess the question is, how do you spin and yeah. balance all the plates? Yeah. I think once again, it's that core kind of fire of I've got a ton of ideas and there's some that I can execute. And then there's some that I just kind of hold on the back burner. Mm -hmm. You know, I just have this vision of what I want to bring and share and do in the industry. So I just keep pushing for it. And I think it's because I love it so much, too. I think when you love something enough and it's just something that you are supposed to be doing, you can do more versus something where you're just kind of in it because, oh, I just want to make money. I just want to make money because I feel like that isn't a true core of doing something because I feel like that eventually wanes and it becomes not enough driving force. Mm -hmm. So I think when you are passionate about something enough that you make the time, you find segues to get little bits in and I enjoy it. So I think it's just all of those things together, you know, finally finding something that I'm good at, finding something where I can connect with people on a regular basis and help them and help their business grow is what kind of pushes me to keep doing it because there's more people being churned out, learning, you know, lashes, but they're also still not learning the whole picture. And I feel like I still have to keep going. I have to keep sharing. I have to keep, you know, showing, okay, this is great. You know how to do this, but here's all of this that you need to learn too, if you want to be successful. And I feel like if you invest in this business, you obviously want to be successful or you wouldn't have invested in the yeah. business. Mm -hmm. Definitely. So practically speaking, do you have help spinning the plates? Is it just like you're super organized? Like, can you break down some of that process for us? Um, I do not necessarily have help. It is pretty much a one woman show. Every once in a while, my husband will step in, especially with the new studio. He, you know, has been a pretty good support system. I think through all of it, you know, we've been together almost a couple of decades now. So it's been like, he's seen me through all of these changes and all these like tries and flops. So having his support, even if it's not like constantly like, oh, do you need me to, you know, do any paperwork or I don't know. Like, it's just nice to have someone who's supporting you. Absolutely. Yeah, there's no real method. It's just, I know it needs to be done. And so I do it or a lot of times, especially when I moved into my new space, I kind of went dark for mm -hmm. a good four months. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm losing my mind because I'm dealing with the city and contracts and permits and this code and this. And, you know, so, um, yeah, I love it. So I just keep going. Mm -hmm. When you look back over this past year, in hindsight, is there anything that you would say you would do differently? Probably... Mm, yes. So I have been working with a stylist who had been with me for a couple of years and she's been great. I literally just brought her in. She was freshly trained, didn't really have a consistent flow of her own clients. I literally gave her my overflow and now she's pretty much fully booked. Mm -hmm. I think I probably would have learned a little bit more. And Paul actually was 
kind of trying to guide me and help me in this manner too of, you know, trying to bring someone on and whether or not to. And I think that was one of the real reasons why I kind of gravitated towards our conversations is I think I really should have understood more about what it means to bring someone on because the demand was there but I probably am still stumbling through that relationship. Mm-hmm. Um, there's been a lot of things that, you know, have come up and we've got through them, but in hindsight, I don't know if I would have just said, eh, I'll just still try to do it all myself because I don't really know any other way I would have done it, if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's just been those learning experiences where it's been working out, but I don't really know any other way I would have done it. <laughs> uncomfortable moments through the process of trusting someone to, you know, be there with your business. And, you know, she's been amazing and I don't really have any complaints. There's just been some things where I'm just like, oh, well, I didn't know I could say that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you have to be comfortable, difficult conversations once you start having employees. And it's going to happen where the, the best employee or the worst employee, there's going to be difficult conversations. And if you don't yeah. like having those conversations and you would like to avoid any conflict because it just eats you alive, then probably yeah. having people that you are responsible for managing is maybe not your strong suit. And I think a lot of people don't realize that that's one of the areas that you're going to get into. I don't think you have to love it. I don't love having difficult conversations, but you, right. you have to though be okay and say, well, that's part of the job. Yeah. You have to be willing to have them because if not, I feel like the business just derails and kind of gets off track and, yeah. and then you're way down the road. Like, how did we get here? Oh, because I didn't nip this in the bud yeah. when it became an issue. So I've been really good about that. But in the beginning, I'm not a high conflict person. I don't thrive on drama. So, you know, I remember a couple of times I was like retreating back from it. And I'm like, no, this is my business. Mm-hmm. I need to step back up and say, look, <laughs> this is the way this needs to be. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the end of it, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's tough, especially if you're a people pleaser. Like, I know we are. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I know Tess and I, I think Erica actually has a little bit more stronger side to her. She's able to just call it the way it is and be okay with it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah I'm, a good strength. Yeah, it is. It's definitely one of her strengths. more of Erica in me to just be like, eh, it is the way it is. So, yeah. <laughs> I love it. Maybe you could rub <laughs> off on us, right? Yeah. yeah. No, we're trying. We, we'd go by her and just rub on her and go, okay. <laughs> All right. I'm, I'm, I can now be a little bit stronger now. <laughs> so, I know we go through seasons and there's times that we like things more than others but can you share with us like some of your favorite aspects like do you really like working with coaching or is it your favorite right now to you know be in the salon with somebody what's your favorite thing right now I really love my studio I love being there I love that it's just the place where I've kind of created so I really love that Mm -hmm. I wish that I could bring everybody I've connected with virtually into my studio. Mm -hmm. I just, everybody was close enough that we could literally get together like every week and just have like a thing. I don't know what the thing would be, but I just love being in my space and I love connecting with people who are as passionate about the industry as I am. And we can just talk lash talk and brow talk like that just fires me up. So I, you know, that kind of leads into my retreat that I'm hosting next year, but that's pretty much the basis of it. I love connecting with people in our industry mm-hmm. and learning about them and hearing their story and you know, hearing their challenges. And if we can somehow, you know, figure out how to fix it together, like I love that. 
And I guess that kind of, you know, smooths over into dealing with my local clients too, because they come in with the 90s brow mishap of, <laughs> I was shaping them off and drawing them in with a line. It's like, oh, let's right. see. So I love that. I love just, you know, connecting with people, helping and fixing and just building that relationship. So it's just twofold. And I think that's what's so fulfilling for me is connecting, helping, and then I'm connecting and I'm helping locally too. So really cool. That is great. Um, One other thing I thought we'd go over, and this is something I think you just mentioned a second ago, was about this last brow retreat that you have coming up next fall. I know that this is something I don't think I've quite seen. I've seen there's a lot of gatherings and there's these conferences, but they're usually bigger. They're like 100, 200, 300 people. But this is like a different approach. It's a little bit more intimate approach. And maybe you could share a little bit about what you're looking to do next fall and kind of like the germ of the idea. Where did this all come from? Right. So it basically stems from me just wanting to connect with other stylists, other business owners who are passionate about what they, you know, they're doing are trying to grow their business and just want to be in an intimate setting where we can literally talk out, you know, our business challenges, our growths, our wins, our fails, and just connect and encourage each other in a beautiful setting here in Virginia Beach. I mean, we're literally right here on the ocean. So there's plenty of locations that I'm actually scouting out right now to host this just small intimate event with, you know, anywhere from like 12 to 15 stylists. I've even had some people say, you know, if we could do like a demo class or if we could, you know, work on our visibility, if we could bring our laptops, you know, I'm still trying to decipher and decide what is going to be included. But I just want it to be something where we come together and just really build strong connections and help each other, help our businesses and, you know, learn everyone's story, essentially, just in a nice, smaller setting. It's just my goal. That sounds really wonderful. It sounds like an oasis. Like you're talking about like creating a safe place for people who have like-minded struggles to have fellowship with one another, to interact, like problem solve. It just sounds like, it it sounds delightful. But not a large gathering where you get lost. Like if it's 150, 200 people, it's easy to get lost in the mix or not feel like you're included. I'm sure when right. you have 15 people, you're you're gonna you're, you know, gonna, you're gonna get called have, upon yeah. at some point. <laughs> you're gonna have to yeah. contribute to the conversation. So I, I'm sure, sure. You, you'll make some uh, great friends there. And are you already taking registrations, or you that's something you just begin to float the idea out there to get people's interest? So I'm trying to actually do it. So it's more of a selection. So I don't want to necessarily exclude anyone, but I feel like someone who's fresh it may not be the best setting because you haven't gone through the rigor and rows of, you know, mm-hmm. oh, this client came in with this and then tried to pull a fast one on me and said, oh, I'm here for a bill. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I feel like you have to kind of go through the trenches a little bit to kind of come to this place and be able to connect with everybody versus, you know, someone who's very, very fresh. I just don't think that they would be ready yet. So I don't want to just open it up for just, Anybody and everybody that wants to come. So I'm doing like almost like an application process just to kind of see where your mind is and make sure your mindset is ready to be in this place versus, yeah, anybody who wants to come and hang out with us can come and do that. Um, Because I think it's a core, you know, segment of our industry. We really just want those who are, you know, 
on that path. They're ready to work. They're ready to solve the problems, do the work, put it in, but also be nurturing and encouraging in that setting, you know, because there's a lot of big, strong personalities out there. Yes, there are indeed. That sounds like it'd be a really rich experience for the ones who do get to go if they're all kind of in that same phase of their business because it's everybody, you know, coming together and sure. bouncing ideas and everything off of each other. So Absolutely. I think that would be really awesome for someone who's, you know, kind of a year or two, three or four years into it and they can yep. really just like, you know, kind of like thrive off of each other. It just sounds yeah. so intimate. And there's some stories to share at that point too. Yeah. Oh yeah. So, some fun just, stories. Battle I'm wounds sure. or battle war yeah. stories. <laughs> yeah. Battle wounds. So yeah, definitely. Um, you also offer training and coaching. Is there a place where they can get the details and find all that? Absolutely. So they can go to my website, thelashceo.com. I recently updated the website to try to keep it more cohesive and everything in one spot. So I list, you know, how you can coordinate training, um, any group coaching that I'll be hosting or one-on-one coaching, even on-site coaching, which probably would not be a thing till later on, but just kind of putting it out there because someone locally actually reached out to me and I'm all about supporting whether you're across the country or right here in my city. And she reached out to me and was like, could you maybe like just come to my salon and shadow me for like a half a day or something? And I was like, that is like the best idea ever, like to come and do that. So there's different ways that we can connect on my website. And, you know, of course, all of my blog posts and my YouTube channel, The Lash CEO, you can connect with me there. I'm all over the place. (laughs) Cool. Now, I did think about one other question that we didn't talk about earlier, but it's actually one of the things I know that you really help people with. And I thought we should definitely hit this and then we'll have to wrap it up because I know we're getting near the hour point here. And that is helping people with websites and where they can get their websites built. Because there's a lot of people willing to charge you a lot of money to build a website. But I've seen you really encouraging people. There are other options out there for them to get a website made that doesn't have to cost them $10,000 or something like that. So what do you usually recommend most of the people you talk to? Um, So I have a couple of different ways. So I find that some people want it completely done for them. And so I put myself out there to build websites for those in the lash and brow industry. So that service is there. I can also, of course, recommend, you know, if they're want something they don't want it on a platform that I create websites on, but honestly, it's one of the best ones I've seen, or they can do it themselves. I offer, you know, literally a step-by-step walkthrough, watch me do it on a video course. That's the Wix website university. They can do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I also offer a free video series. It's about an hour long where I go through and tell you everything that you need in your website, the features that you need, how to set it up. So if you totally just want to do it, you watch the free video. So I have different ways. So I can either build it for them, they can do it themselves, or they can watch the free Wix class and kind of get what they need and then just have at it and build it themselves. Okay. Okay. So Wix for you is like probably like the best option you feel like for most people at this point who are not looking to spend a lot of money? I feel like it is because you can start literally for free. You will have like the little Wix thing at the top or maybe the bottom. But, you know, when you're first starting out, free is nice. I started out with a free website and until you're ready to make that monthly commitment. And it wasn't for a minute that I was 
ready to make that monthly commitment because in the beginning with like three clients, it's like, well, I can't afford $15 a month. So Mm -hmm. we're just going to keep it free (laughs) (laughs) until I'm comfortable with a reoccurring, you know, monthly expense. So I like that Wix, you can literally keep it free forever. Or if you want to jump to the $9 a month, you can do that. I like that they just give you total creative freedom. The SEO in Wix is like none I've ever seen on any other platform. And I've tried Squarespace. I've tried some of these other you know, platforms. And I just find that for me and the people that I help, Wix is just easy. They make it as easy as possible. So. Yeah, no, that's great. I've heard a lot of good stuff about Wix. And uh, we've never used it ourselves, but uh, we are actually right now in the middle of hiring someone to redesign and build it. And it's someone that I trust through another very well-known last professional that I know that her stuff is great and looks great. Again, this is a referral. It wasn't social media that found her. (laughs) I found her through (laughs) a referral and someone said, yeah, I love your work. Why don't we bring her in to help us do ours? So yeah, we're going to be doing it. But I had actually thought about Wix because I'm kind of a do-it-myself person. But I'm at mm-hmm. a point in our business that I just can't do everything don't have anymore. Time. I just don't have time. Yeah. As much as I think it'd be fun to build it, but that's life. So yeah. anyhow, I think we covered pretty much everything. I, you, did you give your handles for Instagram and Facebook? I can't remember if you yeah. did. Yeah, it's pretty much the Lash CEO. Okay. Easy <laughs> enough. Type it in, Lash CEO, or, and you'll find her. I know that you also are pretty responsive. I don't think you are one of those people that goes on once a week and maybe DMs people back. You seem to be pretty good at getting back and responding, at least to me. At least you're kind to me, so thank you. <laughs> we love everything you said today. It was wonderful. Thank you so much for all your input, your advice and tips and such. I know our, our, our clients, well, they are our listeners, are our clients, a different kind of client than our salon. But our <laughs> listeners, I think, I'm sure got a lot. And please follow her. Go to those pages. Check her out. It's definitely a lot of good tips, too. She shares on social media and videos. She gives a lot away, and that's one mm-hmm. of the things I think that makes her really special. So thank you so much, Rikina, for coming on to the show. Thank you so much, Paul. Thank you, Erica, Tuscany. I appreciate you guys having me on. It was a pleasure. It's been our pleasure, yeah. Definitely. All right. We'd love to continue the discussion online via social media. You can follow us on Instagram at Integrity Lash. We also have another account for our podcast that is at Lashcast podcasts. This is where you can post questions for us to help us, you know, for future episodes. And also just give us feedback, interact with us. Uh, Actually, Erica and me do most of the responding and we'd love to hear from you and have a conversation with you online. Lastly, we also have a Twitter account at Integrity Last where you can also post questions. One thing that we really need help with from everyone to get the word out is for you to subscribe and also for you to share with your friends. So if you're listening right now on iTunes or whatever, you can take a screenshot of that post, hey, I've been loving this episode, and share it on Instagram, share it on Facebook, and then you know, also put it at Integrity Lash on there, or better, at Lashcast Podcast, so other people can find it and follow us. That is really how we're going to get the word out. We need your help to do it. Without you, we pretty much just sit in a room by ourselves and talk all day. So thank you for your help in making that happen. Also, you can give us ratings on any of the platforms you listen to. That also helps to give us a better presence online. So let's wrap this all up. On behalf of our engineer, Britton, my lash experts, Erica and Tusney, as well as our special guest, Rikina, I want to thank you for taking some time out of your day today to listen. Keep on lashing, and remember, you have a friend in the lash industry. Mm-hmm.